welcome to the Pet Grooming Business Podcast with me, Bill Betts, where we give practical business advice to help you grow your pet grooming business. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Paws and Presto. So without further ado, let's get going. Excellent. Okay, so welcome everyone. I hope um, you all had a good week. I am joined by Sue Williamson today, author, pet groomer, Tellington Tea Touch practitioner. Um, so it's been it's really nice that you reached out to us and asked if we can uh, have this little chat so we can help others with their grooming practices. So welcome, Sue. How are you? Thank you. I'm absolutely fine. Thank you. Yeah. Had a nice steady day today. Yeah. Just one. Yes, uh, we managed to avoid the COVID despite my mum having it just before Christmas and my son having it just after. So we just managed to avoid everybody and keep clear touch wood. So how about you? Yeah, was we, your business um, good? <laughs> yeah, it was good, but we didn't avoid COVID. <laughs> oh, <no. So. laughs> Emma um, tested positive on Christmas Day, but it was she was fine. I uh, had a bit of a cold and um, yeah, it was fine. But yeah, it was a quiet Christmas, which was nice. So um, we're on StreamYard tonight, and uh, we were struggling a bit with the Zoom uh, signal, so we've transferred over. So just bear with us if we cross over, because there's a little bit of delay on the on the signal. Um, so yeah, tell us all about yourself, Sue. How did you get into the world of pets? Well, I've, I've loved dogs as long as I can remember. Uh, when I was about four years old, a a relative gave me a toy poodle, a little black toy poodle called Tina, and that was it. I was just hooked on on dogs then. I'd, I'd always liked dogs beforehand, but having my own pet, you know, my own dog was just a, such a major thing for me. And, of course, she was a poodle, so she needed lots of coat care. And basically, I took, even at a really young age, I took on looking after her coats. And my auntie also had three miniature poodles, and during the summer holidays, when they went on holiday, we had their three poodles as well. So it was absolutely, you know, my dream being surrounded by poodles or any sort of dog, to be quite honest. And I decided then I'd like to be a dog groomer, but I was told it's not a proper job. <laughs> so as I grew up, I decided that uh, I'd I loved, I was really good at things like typing and organisation. So I went to train to be a a secretary personal assistant and I did that uh, for about six years until I started my family then I took a, quite a chunk out of time when I was bringing my boys up and I started working at a university uh, in one of the, the faculties looking after the research projects mm-hmm. um, I did that for tw- 24 years <laughs> I'm a bit wow. of a sticker at things um, but then I had, I had breast cancer and I had surgery and radiotherapy, but I never got back back into normal work and I just couldn't fit in again. So one day I just decided I was going to hand my notice in. Very brave of me. It's not like me at all. 
So I handed my notice in and my husband said, well, what are you going to do now? And then you can't sit at home all day. And I said, I'm going to be a dog groomer. He said, well, we don't know how to groom a dog. I said, well, I'll learn learn then. (laughs) So I went on a 60-day course with Francine Bennett, uh, LA Spa and Groom. And it was such a wonderful experience. I, you know, got my hands on so many dogs, so many different breeds. And then as soon as I finished um, my training, I went straight into the grooming. But before that, I'd already done my Tillington T-Touch training. I'd done puppy training classes. So I already knew quite a lot about behaviour and what sort of things to look for to know that dogs were getting anxious. So I was able to incorporate incorporate that into the grooming. And I noticed quite quickly that taking a different approach to the way most groomers groom, you know, most groomers groom on a high table with the restraints on or the safety aids on. And that just didn't wasn't for me because I knew because of the dog's behaviour on the table and the calming signals they were giving me, I knew that they weren't happy in that environment. So I started changing the way I groom to incorporate the behaviour side as well. So mm. quite quickly, I stopped using the safety aids, <laughs> danger, danger. Um, <laughs> but why do I, I groom on a low table most of the time? So I set it, I've got my table at its lowest setting and I sit on a little stool and it's all magical and fairy like (laughs) if really is it (laughs) honestly i sit there in my when i sit there in my salon sundays i think to myself am i actually dreaming this because it's so relaxing uh have some guardians day because i get people coming from probably I've got one lady that does an 120 mile trip. Um, so wow. it, I can't send her home or out. So she stays. We take all the necessary COVID precautions. And it just makes for such a, a more relaxing environment. And even the, the clients that stay say how relaxing my cabin is. Um, I don't get str- I don't get stressed, so the dogs stay as calm as possible and by using the tea touch on them, uh, giving them lots of choices. Um, so because I've got my table, I've got set of caravan steps I've covered with carpet, and the dogs know if they get if it gets too much for them, they just get off the table. Most of them just go to the door, check that the owner's not come back, and then come back and get straight back on the table. So it gives them um, a get out for when they're feeling a little bit, oh, I can't cope with this at the minute. Instead of having to resort to biting or snarling or growling at me, they just get off the table. So we never really get to that position where it gets stressful for us. Awesome. So let's um, let's just go back before you were grooming and you did a lot of behaviourist work. What what behavioural work did you do? And then we'll talk about the Tennyson T-Touch as well. Yeah, so I've got a diploma in canine behaviour and psychology. So that's learning all about how a dog processes information, about calming signals, trigger stacking, um, interpreting the behaviour, watching the body language. So um, I did consults with clients, I was able to work with clients. So that was a lot of that was dealing with uh, dogs that don't like people or other dogs. So that was all about 
bringing the dog's stress levels down to start with, uh, using something called ACE Free Work, which I use a lot in the cabin as well, which is just lots of different surfaces, such as snuffle mats, licking mats, screwed up mm. towels. And you just put different sorts of treats on all of them and the dog just goes and does its thing while you just observe them. And by observing, you can pick up any issues they have. So you get some dogs that won't walk on different surfaces. They'll avoid walking on the towel, for example. Um, they'll I, I saw really this, enjoy um... I saw this in the police when uh, I'd go out with um, some of the dog handlers, you know, these big, like, brutey German shepherds, like, they're going to take down these criminals. And then we'd put, we'd go into a, uh, we'd go into, uh, like, a school with um, parquet flooring, and the German shepherd would be like, right, where am I going, where am I going? Get to the parquet flooring, uh, put the brakes on. I'm not touching that. It's too shiny and slippery. I'm not going, I'm like, come on, you like this big brute of a shepherd trying to go and find the criminal and you're like tiptoeing across the park <laughs> like, it was amazing to watch like how much it just stopped them in their tracks sort of thing yeah it's it's and, and that when you think about it you you wouldn't necessarily think that that, that had any impact on grooming but when you think about it the bath the different textures of the bath surface uh your table that's got a bobbly sort of feeling, mm -hmm. um, the floor in your salon. So all these can have a massive impact on the dog if they don't like that type of flooring or they don't like how the table feels on the paws. You know, to be like us going and standing on a pebbly beach if we were sensitive on our feet, and it just makes it a little bit more unpleasant. So it's thinking, you know, I try and think about if the dog's looking upset, why why? What could be causing that issue for them? And that's where free work comes in a lot because all the clients that come to me, they have to do a free work session before I'll even touch the dog, let alone groom it. So I can start to pay attention to which surfaces they avoid. Some of them don't. They just charge in and go everywhere and eat all the food. And I pay attention to what sort of food they eat. Do they prefer eating the crunchy treats? Do they prefer doing licking? And then I can use that during the grooms if I need to counter condition or have a little bit of distraction sometimes. We're just gonna take a quick break to mention our sponsor, Paws and Presto. Our pet grooming business uses Paws and Presto towels and have found them to be more absorbent when drying dogs. Quicker to wash, quicker to dry, and they take up less room in the salon. They also weigh less than normal towels when wet and come in a wide range of colors. To find out more, visit pawsandpresto.com. Now let's get back to the podcast. When when you're when you're doing um, the the sort of so we all have a, a bath obviously in the in the dog groomers. How do you have like different mats to put in your baths to to see what the dogs prefer or you know there's not a load of choice of baths out there. So how do you get no, how do you no. um, <laughs> so for. For most dogs, most dogs actually don't bother about the texture, but for those that do, including one of my own, I put a towel down. So the towel goes over, so it's a little bit softer on the feet. It's, it's, it's an older dog, he's getting on, so he's probably just a bit sensitive on his paws. So just by, sometimes just by simply putting a towel over the, the base uh, or even um, a, a human bath mat, so it's because um, I know some of the plasticky ones, they can be quite slippy. 
For dogs mm -hmm. that have got things like hip dysplasia, uh, arthritis, the slippier surfaces make them feel really unstable and uncomfortable. So by putting something in the bottom of the bath that reduces that slipping about, if you've got a plastic bath, that can make a big difference to some dogs because it gives them that stability. And you say about looking for um, signs of a dog being upset. What are the, the common signs that you'll see in a dog when they're, they're like, oh, I'm a bit not sure about this or I'm not happy about this? Okay, so there's various levels of there's, there's signals we call calming signals. And they're things like the dog licking its mouth, licking its lips, the whale eye where you can see the white of the eye. Um, Slow blinking can also be a sign. Yawning is a big sign that they're getting stressed. It's not always that they're tired. It's uh, a lot of, I had a dog in, in fact, the Bichon I had in today, he uh, he doesn't like having his face groomed. So um, if I do two or three, four bits of scissoring, he'll yawn because it's getting too much for him. A big one that a lot of people don't realize is the paw lift. They'll lift one of the front paws up and a lot of groomers think that's they're just hovering the paw, so they'll take the paw thinking of it being off, but it's not. If the dog just picks its paw up, that's often a sign that a steady on, I'm, I'm not quite happy about this. Uh, anything where the any part of the body turns away, so if they do a head turn where they're not, you know, they're just doing this, or the whole body will sometimes turn. They're your sort of lower ones, but they're the ones I pay attention to because if I can stop the dog's anxiety escalating I can prevent all the other ones because the once they get to a certain stage that's where you start to get the growling the lip curling the air snapping um even the bites so it's keeping everything nice and calm at the lower levels so that don't it doesn't escalate to the more severe I'm really fed up with you now stop doing it so it's it's really really important I think to teach um, calming signals or stress indicators in training schools it really should be taught because that can make the difference between a bite and not a bite often when I see uh, videos on Facebook where the bite's included as well and the, the groomer often says oh the bite came out of nowhere but when you watch the video you can see the little signs and then they get bigger and then they start the air snapping and then, then it goes to the bite, obviously. So by learning about calming signals and body language, it would save so many bites. So could this be something that we could be including in our <clears throat> puppy packages, you know, working on um, making sure our puppies are, are calm when they're coming into the salon and even highlighting this sort of stuff to the owners because quite a lot of the owners won't appreciate any of this, like you said. Yeah, so both my books, the Taking the Girl Out of the Grooming Salon and Taking the Girl Out of Grooming Your, Your Dog, they both include calming signals and it includes information about trigger stacking, how to observe your dog, what things to look out for. Uh, and it also, about, also talks about the autonomic nervous system, which is the, uh, the nervous system is the one that uh, causes the fight, the flight, fall around. Um, so the, auto the autonomic nervous system, I've got my false teeth in tonight. 
has got two parts. It's got your parasympathetic nervous system, which we're in now. You know, it's you what where you do everything automatically. It's the rest. Uh, digest, breathe and breed. So it's, it takes care of a body on a day-to-day basis because if we had to think about doing every little thing all the time, a brain would just explode, you know, we wouldn't have capacity to do anything else. So that's the parasympathetic nervous system. And then you've got the sympathetic nervous system, which is the side that kicks in when you start to get anxious. And that is responsible for the fight, flight, fall around, faint and freeze so the idea is with the way I groom is to keep the dog in that parasympathetic nervous system keep the dog nice and calm so it can because the other thing is if the dog is in the sympathetic nervous system they can't learn positive stuff they just Mm -hmm. um they just digest all the negative stuff so um an example I often give is when I was a child uh, we were on holiday and we're in a caravan that hadn't got a toilet. <laughs> it's, I mean, it was that long ago. And there was a toilet block on the campsite. And we all used to go to the toilet block before we went to bed. And I went in one night with my mum and my sister. And as I went in, a, a moth flew and hit me on my head. Of course, I screamed, which is a sympathetic nervous system response. I didn't stand there and think, oh, I'm going to scream. It just happens. Um, when I came out the toilet, my dad was there. He says, what were you screaming at? And I says, a moth hit me. And he told me off for that. Now, I can't remember anything else of that holiday other than that moth and being told off for screaming. So I absorbed that really quickly. And that stuck with me for 40-odd years. So that's what happens when you're in your sympathetic nervous system. The bad stuff stays with us. So that's why it's really important to... If we want to work with the dogs, if we want to keep them calm, it's really important to make sure they're in the parasympathetic nervous system all the time where they can learn. Yeah. So going back to your puppies. Yeah, go on. Sorry, carry on. Going back to the puppies. Yeah. So with puppies, um, in fact, I I work the same whether it's a puppy or an adult dog because I only take dogs that are referred to me now from other groomers or behaviorists or vets so I treat them all as if they're puppies and never been into a grooming salon before and the first session is always the ace free work I was talking about where I put all the different surfaces down and that's all they do on the first session um puppies usually adapt to it a lot quicker than the dogs that have got a a negative memory of, of being groomed um so the puppies get to do the free work and that's it for the first session. I get to talk to the guardian as well, talk about what the dog's like and what the puppy's like and what if they've got having any issues with it at home around the grooming. They also get a copy of my book, obviously. And then the next session really depends on how they coped at the first session. So for some, that the second session is a little bit more free work, but introducing things like the sound of the dryer in the distance or I'll put the clippers on but not put the clippers near them or pop them in the bath, just switch the water on, switch the water off out the bath again. So it's with puppies and the older dogs, obviously, it's all about introducing everything at a pace they can cope with. So I've got some awesome dogs now to groom. Uh, I've groomed since a puppy and they're by far the easiest 
because they've grown up with the consent-based type grooming. So I can do pretty much anything to most of those now. Um, some of the ones that have been referred to me um, take a little bit longer because we've got to undo their memories mm. and counterbalance those memories. What I do want to say is when I say uh, dogs have got bad memories of previous grooms, it might not be anything the groomer has actually done, but it's how that dog has interpreted it. So it's like going back to the moth thing I was talking about. Now, if a, a moth had hit my dad in the face, he probably wouldn't have bothered about it at all. It wouldn't have been any issue for him, but it was an issue for me. So something as tiny as a moth is really negative for me, but might not be for somebody else. It's like, you know, some people don't mind spiders, some do. And it's not up to us to decide what's okay for the dog and what they should or shouldn't be bothered about. So uh, it's not that um, when I say things like that, it's not that I'm blaming the groomer for actually doing anything wrong. It's just something that dog has taken as a negative. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I keep relating it back to to uh, a lot of the stuff I've done <clears throat> myself with like um, counselling and stuff like that through the parasympathetic nerve and the the sympathetic nerve and you know the anxiety and if you're anxious you know we can't tell uh, our pets to take deep breaths to start relieving the the uh exactly. to start getting rid of the sympathetic nerve can we but it's exactly the same isn't it and i didn't yeah. realize that dog had the same sort of those the same issues in a way like those nervous systems that that we do and we treat people exactly the same uh, you can't tell dogs to take like breathe deeply and count and stuff like that, can we? Exactly, you know, and I mean, even with people sometimes, if you're in that, um, if, you, if you're a person that suffers from panic attacks, if somebody tries to touch you or cuddle you when you're having a panic attack, you're likely to just punch them in the face, aren't you? <laughs> Let's be honest, if you've ever had a panic attack, I used to have them and I just didn't want anybody touching me at all. I just wanted to be left alone. And it's very similar, you know, that's probably why I'm a bit more um, understanding Tuned how in. the dog might be feeling. Yeah, yeah, sort of tuned into it because you understand it from your own yeah. kind of perspective. Yeah. And again, this is this is something that should be taught before that even people pick a pair of scissors up when they're doing the grooming training. I personally think they should all have to do a certain level of dog behavior that covers the if it's just the basics and then they can go on to do other courses as well if they want but just to know about the basics of dog behavior would be such a huge thing in the industry hmm. and I, I think probably a lot of customers probably think or believe that you know the pet groomer has actually got a, a knowledge of dog behavior as well i should think it probably comes as assumed yeah. by a lot of customers. Well, up until six years ago, I was just a dog, dog owner that took one of my dogs to the groomers now and again. And I just automatically assumed they would know about dog behaviour. So when I collected my dog sometimes, they'd say, oh, he's been absolutely fine. And then, of course, why, when I started grooming him, I thought, he's not fine. He doesn't like the blaster. He doesn't like the dryer. He doesn't like his nails clipped. But obviously, 
the groomer who did not done before had missed all those signs that I picked up quite easily. So it's just a no-brainer for me. And it, I, I appreciate it's the fact that I've got all the dog behaviour knowledge before I started grooming. And then um, tell us a bit about the Tellington Tea Touch as well. Is that sort of more handling, isn't it, rather than the sort of uh, the psychological side of things? Yeah, it's um, it's doing this. There's three main sorts of touches we do. We do touches that are circular. Uh, we do lifts of the skin, and we do slides, which is basically a stroke. Uh, and it's about different positionings on your hand and how you hold your hand and how you touch the dog with your hand. So it's it can look a bit like massage, but it releases tension. Uh, it, it makes the dog feel more um, balanced. It improves the proprioception. So some dogs I've noticed have got really poor proprioception, so they don't know where the back end is in relation to the front end. And obviously, when they've got them on in the bath or on the table then and they're not sure where the back end is and you've picked the front paw up, they feel unbalanced and unsteady. So by improving the proprioception with T-Touch, it gives them much better feeling of confidence in themselves. So um, it's really good for things like separation, anxiety, it can reduce stress. Uh, one of the touches in particular, which is ear slides, which is basically just stroking the dog's ears like that which many of us do anyway uh that can bring uh keep a dog from going into shock if it's had an accident uh ear strokes again and re it's really good for dogs that get travel sickness so there's many areas that we can use tea touching uh and it's just like a little bit as i said it's just like a little bit of massage but it's not a deep rub whereas uh it's it's just moving the skin over whatever's underneath but it has a really calming effect on the dogs. It's. Uh, can you, I, I was looking. I did. A, as I say, can sorry, you go on. Can you feel the tension in the dogs? Like you know, if we went to a, a chiropractor or you know had a massage ourselves, they'd say, "Oh, you got a knot in there," or you know, you're you're very tense yeah. around that. Can you feel that in the dogs with T touch? Yeah. Um, Obviously, we don't just go straight and do T-touch on the dogs. We want to know the areas that are a little bit more sensitive, the areas where they might have tension. Uh, tension often shows up as a change of heat. So you might stroke over a dog and it's one temperature and then one, one area will be really warm or cold. That's an indicator of tension. Uh, the I, I do a, a Russian terrier and his skin on his... I'd say from mid back to his tail, you just can't move the skin. There's no flexibility in the skin. That is tension. Uh, you know, when you sometimes touch a dog in a particular place, it'll scratch itself. Mm -hmm. That's usually tension. And skin twitches, that usually indicates tension as well. So, um, by doing a little bit of tea touch on those areas, you might not be able to get rid of the tension in that one session, but it might be enough to to be able to groom it without, you know, I've got, I've got one dog that if I touched halfway down his back, his whole skin would twitch. But if I did some tea touch before I used the clippers, that was enough to stop his skin twitching when I just clipped him off. So it's uh, it's really useful. There's different touches you can use on the legs to make them a little bit less sensitive about having the legs picked up. 
uh, a lot of work around the mouth can really relax them. I do a lot of mouth work, working around the mouth before I actually scissor faces, um, especially on mm. the little, the, the squidgy faces like the Shih Tzus and the lasses. They're really good with with work, T-touch work around the head before you start scissoring them. This is something that you you do um, with the dog every time they come in. So once, so if you did like the dog with the the tight sort of back, you'd have to do that every time that the dog came in before you did the clippering, or is it something that eventually the tension sort of leaves? Um, because I only ever see him, I only see him every six weeks because he's just a grooming client rather than a two touch client. It's probably something I'm going to have to do every time. He's eight years old. He's a rescue. Um, as the next breeding dog. So there's lots of baggage there before he went to the home he's with now. He's been there about 18 months now. If I add him on uh, probably a weekly, two weekly basis, I could probably relieve a lot of that tension, but only doing it once every six weeks is not going to relieve that tension enough, but it's enough for me to be able to get the groom done. Mm. And then of course, because I know he's got that tension in his back end, I've told that to the guardians as well. So they know to be a little bit more careful around that area because it's likely to be a bit more. Um, my mind's just gone totally blank. A little bit more um, tender than yeah. the rest of his body. And um, so you say you offer you so you actually offer the tea touch um, sessions uh, as well as grooming, so people can actually bring their pets to you um, to to go through the tea touch treatment, but not. Uh, without a groom, if that makes sense. Yeah, they, they can do, but I don't tend to take much. To be quite honest, I made a decision about uh, just before COVID, actually, because I was getting so many client, grooming clients with issues around grooming. I couldn't, I hadn't got time to do the behaviour stuff as well or the T-touch. I've got uh, three other T-touch practitioners within a five-mile radius. I've got lots of really good behaviourist friends again in that same radius so I decided because I'm the only groomer in my area that uses this, these techniques that I would I would just take on the grooming clients and refer the other dogs to um, my colleagues in the area that could could do the behavior work but couldn't do the grooming I see I see and and then <laughs> well yeah and puts a hole in a few things doesn't it but uh, hopefully we'll back yeah. up and run so uh, when you go back over and say about you know touching a dog in a certain place and it scratches our um so we've got two dachshunds they lay in their bed and uh one will chew the other one's ear is that anything particular oh, that you can yeah. just disgusting dirty dogs <laughs> they're literally like uh, they will just suck on each other's ears and chew them and suck them and it's pretty foul when you go to stroke them but <laughs> <laughs> that could be like a um, transferring of the odours. So, but it all could, if they're actually sucking as well, that could be a soothing thing for them as well. Sucking's very, anything around the mouth. So licking is really soothing for dogs. Uh, chewing treats, chewing on bones can be very soothing for them as well because that's connect the mouth areas connected to the limbic system. So anything that releases tension around the mouth will have an effect on the limbic system as well. So I would imagine it's all to do with 
they find it quite comforting to suck on each other's ears. <laughs> it's pretty disgusting when you go to stroke them. You're like, oh, you've been like, oh, can you imagine? <laughs> but um, you know, we um, we, we uh, at the weekend I bought them some toys because like the younger one, uh, Rose, is like she'll steal anything like flannels and underwear and run around the house. So like, right, they definitely need some toys. So we got them some nice toys, destroyed but already completely destroyed. Squeakers ripped out, fluff all ripped out. They're all, it's like ah. Oh. Go back to your ears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So some dogs will automatically just shred everything they get. Others, they'll, I mean, I've got two cock spaniels. Um, they love soft toys. And the only time I've noticed my my youngest one, he just loves to carry them. He doesn't chew them. He just loves to carry them around. But my old one, uh, when I lost my um my previous working cockery got killed in a road accident. Uh, he spent two weeks just shredding all his toys. So for him, it's a stress reliever. Mm. So what can we do with our, um, what do you, do you do with your pets in the salon? Do you, uh, obviously I'm assuming you work one-to-one -one with them. So as soon as they're like finished and they're going home, or is there things that we can do uh, within the salon whilst we've got pets with us to sort of make them make it a nice environment for them? Okay, there's, there's a few things. Now, um, I'm really good at talking about how we can manage it on a one-to-one -one, because that's how I work. And I know working in a multi-groomer salon is a little bit more difficult. So in a one-to-one -one grooming environment, it's all about thinking of the actual environment to start off with. So... I keep um, all my products low aroma. Um, mm -hmm. I use I love organic because they're, they're, the smell of their products is so um, I want to say discreet. That's not quite the word. Uh, the re really low aroma, so we're not overloading the dog with strong perfume, shampoos. Um, it's about thinking of the noise in the salon as well. So if you have your radio on, don't have it blaring because there's all, already a lot for the dog to process. I um, I don't use safety aids. I also, I also have to laugh when I say that because they all think I always work without a safety net. Uh, but I have my table set on its lowest setting, so it's probably about that far off the floor. And then I've got a little stool I sit on and I've got a set of caravan steps that I put carpet on so the dogs can get on and off the table as they want. So they don't have to jump off the table. Even the little dogs can walk up and down the steps. So that takes all the, the, the risk out of them falling off the table or jumping off the table. So when I say I don't use safety aids, it's not as, as bad as it sounds. I'm not putting them on a full height table and taking the safety aids off. So... Um, other things you can do is make sure you calm yourself because if you're stressed, the dog will pick up on that and get stressed themselves thinking, well, you know, she's because I've seen, seen some videos of um, groomers and, and they're doing this, they're putting them out and then pulling it away. So that straight away tells the dog that you're really unsure of what you're doing and it doesn't instill confidence in them. So try and keep, come across as knowing what you're doing. Uh, I keep my voice very calm. Uh, I don't raise my voice if they do something silly. I I, I just let it go uh, because 
if they've done something silly or they've done something, uh, if they like tap dancing around the table, there's a reason for that, that they're not deliberately being a pain. It's just that their sympathetic nervous system's not cooperating and it's just making them really anxious. So if you prevent the, the little bit of stress, then you can prevent the big stress where they're likely to bite you. Mm-hmm. Definitely learn as much as you can about dog behavior. Learn about calming signals and trigger stacking. Trigger stacking is a big, big issue in the grooming salon. There's just so many triggers. I counted up a few weeks ago um, and I counted something like 250 triggers without even thinking about it that the dog would find upsetting in the grooming environment. Um, What I've started doing recently, because I've got the online education hub as well now i video all my grooms so i can watch them back and there's been a couple of times where a dog's done something that i've not actually acknowledged during the groom so it's really good to look back and think actually i could have done that differently i could have you know used a distraction technique or i could have um just done something a little bit different so they didn't get anxious about it um the biggest thing I think is the puppy introduction. If we can start the puppies off on a, a stress-free grooming journey, then we've got a puppy that's really good, an adult that's really well, an adolescent that's, and then we've got a really good adult. Adult. I want to talk a little bit about adolescence actually, because that is when we start to see the biggest issues with most dogs. They'll come for the puppy grooms, the, their introductions and that. And then when they get to about eight or nine months, that's it. They they don't want touching. You know that that's when they start getting a little bit snarly, a little bit reactive. And it's because uh, they're just like teenagers, really. They're going through lots of body changes. They can have touch sensitivity. The brain's changing. The hormones are changing. And I was listening. I was just listening a few weeks ago to Sarah Fisher talking about adolescence, and it was something. I think we all sort of know, but we don't actually acknowledge it is when they when any uh, mammal reaches adolescence, the body is preparing them to live independently. So mm-hmm. that's why a lot of adolescent children suddenly won't let you give them a kiss or won't let you give them a hug because it's part of their growing up that they've got to start to be independent. So touching is physical contact, not something that they their nervous system wants because they're preparing to live independently. Now, I know dogs don't live independently, but they would if there weren't any, like the street dogs, they live independently. And when they get to adolescence, you know, they go through the same things and then learn to, to cope on their own. So really be careful around adolescence because that is the time if you've got a puppet and you've got it to adolescence and it's really good on the table, just be careful that you don't inadvertently overwhelm around that area because then you've got an adult dog that really doesn't like grooming. So your well, adolescence really baby them. What um, what age do you call adoles- what what do you say is adolescence? What's what's your sort of puppy adolescence and adult definition? I would say uh, adolescence can start anywhere between about five, five and ten, eleven months, and it can last for about six, six to twelve months for some dogs, some breeds. So it usually it usually coincides with the third and fourth groom. 
and that's the time you know you see a lot of people so I've had this dog in three times before he's been perfect this time he's trying to rip my head off and that's why it is it's because they're adolescents they're so overwhelmed by adolescence without any grooming or any contact taking place mm. or it might, might be actually be the time where they're actually starting to change dog groomers because maybe one groomer said I can't handle this one and then they go to another one and you're just exactly you're then presented with an adolescent dog that's confused, probably. Yeah, I mean, through over the last, I'd say through over the last, really to coincide with COVID, nearly all the dogs that have been referred to me are adolescent, and the, the behaviour has escalated really quickly. So they've gone from one groom to being this perfect little dog to the next groom starting to get a little bit grumbly and growly to the, the groom after that. So within the space of two or three grooms, they've gone from being a really good dog to groom to a dog that just wants to to bite. Mm. So in your, in your practice... Sorry, go on. Sorry. <laughs> so it's really important to educate the, the guardians as well about... Um, how the dog's body is changing as well and how they can help at home because there's lots lots of things the guardians can do at home to help um but then you've got the groomer hoppers anyway that go to a different groomer each time so you don't the dog's never going to get settled into a grooming grooming mm. salon if it's constantly being moved we got we got some questions stacking up i've just got um a question that i just thought of and in in your salon, in your practice, do you use all the normal equipment that we would use? Do you use the blaster dryers, the, the clippers, the scissors? You know, is there any specialist equipment that you buy? Uh, not any specialist equipment. Uh, I sold my blaster after about 18 months because I only used it on two dogs and one of those dogs passed away. I couldn't mm. use it on any other dog that I groomed, not with the knowledge I had. Um, so I sold my blaster and I bought a Dyson air dryer, one of the little Dyson air dryers that you use on right. our own air. That I don't use on my air, I just keep it in the salon. It's a lot, uh, it's a lot quieter. Um, the sound's slightly different to a normal dryer as well. So for a lot of dogs, I use the, the Dyson air dryer and it's actually, it might sound as if it's not going to dry as quick, but there's a lot of the dogs I groom, I can get the Dyson dryer right to them close, whereas the big dry, finishing dryer, have to keep that away from them because it's too much for them. So it's actually quicker drying most dogs with a Dyson air dryer than it is with a, the full um, the finishing dryer. Um, I don't own, in fact, I do, I own two muzzles but one's a great big giant one and one's about this big and it's just because <laughs> somebody gave them to me. Um, I don't use things like calming cradles, groomers helpers, because I want the dog to be as free in its body movements as possible. So a lot of the tools we're taught to use uh, prevent a lot of the calming signals that prevent the dog being able to turn away. It uh, means they can't do a proper shake off because uh, that can also help calm them as well. And it just makes it a little bit more difficult for them. The one thing I would say that I do find, I do recommend if you, you don't want to groom on a low table, so you'll need safety aids, is to 
instead of using a collar, use a harness type of thing. So uh, it takes all the pressure off the neck. Because if you think about it, if you feel stressed yourself, the last thing you want is something tight around your neck. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of grooms I've recommended. I use a Tellington Teetouch harness um, if I ever need anything. Um, and people I've recommended, other grooms I've recommended the harness to, they say the dog, it, it's it's an obvious change in the dog's body language straight away. They look much more relaxed, not having the, the loop around the neck. The other thing I've noticed on a lot of, um, particularly in some of the trainee groups, the, the safety aids are used far too tightly, particularly the belly band. So the safety aids are there as just safety. They're not there to restrain the dog. It's just to keep them on the table. So have them as loose as you can, can manage without the dog falling or being able to jump off the table. So they're just little things that you can change quite quickly and make a big difference for, for the dogs that you groom. Okay. So... Um... Like so, we'll start going through some of the questions if that's okay. And one of them is okay. is around that kind of idea. Is um, if the dog chooses, you, you allow the dog to come off the table, don't you? And I, I'm assuming that's just to say, yeah. I need a break. I've had enough for a minute. I'll go and, like you said, go to the door. There's no one kicking around. Then I'll come back onto the table. Do you? Um, the question is, do you encourage the dog to come back to the table, or do you just wait for it to do its thing? And if it doesn't choose to come back. How do you finish the groom? Do you send it home? or do you, And how do you then charge for that groom that you've done? Okay, so most of the dogs are... In fact, I don't think I've had one that's ever refused to get back on the table. Sometimes it might need a treat to get them back on the table, but most of them will come back and just get on. Uh, the little one I did this month, Bichon, I did this morning. All I have to do for him is just call his name and he comes back on the table. Some I just tap the table and they'll come and get straight back on. Mm. Um, but I'd say the, the ones that are a little bit more reluctant, it's just a treat on the table and let them get back on. So they sort to learn that being on the table means grooming is going to take place. Off the table, the grooming stops. Mm-hmm. So that gives them... That gives them the ability to give me consent to groom them. And then there's a positivity with that with that treat as well, isn't there? Yeah. This, like anything, there's downsides to food, but there's a lot more positives than there are downsides. Um, but just giving that reward, reward for them to come in back for a start, but that posit, creates positive... Um, environment so before I get any dog on the table I'll do lots of work around the table uh, teach them how to use the steps using treats and shaping so that they they're confident on getting on and off the table before I start the grooming on the table so they know that table means it's a good thing it's been on the table because you sometimes get food you get a bit of fuss you get lots of praise being off the table means any contact stops and you're given freedom. But I'll still sometimes just sprinkle treats on the floor as well because I don't want them to be conflicted because with some dogs, they'll override their emotions to get get the treats. So they'll override their fear, but actually mm-hmm. still feeling quite, oh, I don't know. It's, it's like me. If somebody asked me to walk through a room of spiders to get a bar of chocolate, I'd probably run through it to get the bar of chocolate. <laughs> 
So we have to think about those things as well. But in general, I find food quite useful for me. Uh, and if you are going to use a low table, do it at the beginning of a groom. Don't wait till the dog's already stressed to start putting the dog on the floor or using a low table because by that time they're too, too anxious to be able to learn anyway. So start by start the beginning of your session with the table low. Make sure you've got a safety way, a safe way for the dog to get on and off the table. So if you've got big dogs, they can usually step on and off the low table. But as I say, I've got steps now, so little dogs can get off and on and off themselves as well. So do you have like um, a, a specific time for your grooms or how does, if, because we're doing it with their consent, we're, we're taking it at their pace. How do you then run your diary? So I only tend to do a maximum of three dogs a day anyway. And some days I only do two. Today I've only done one uh, because I've got all the other stuff I do as well. I don't want to be grooming 24-7. Um, but to be honest, using the grooming the way I do, I can probably get most grooms done a lot faster than mm. if I got them on a full high table with all the safety aids on using all the, the right equipment. I can one of the cockapoos I do, in fact, nearly all the cockapoos I do, I can do in an hour and a half. And that's not rushing, that's just taking it nice and steady, letting the dog on and off the table. To be honest. Um, a lot of people get confused about this, being able to get on and off the table. They think they'll be on and off, on and off, on and off. They don't. I've got some dogs that don't get off the table the whole groom because they know they've got the choice to do it if they need to. It just keeps them a lot calmer and they just let me do the whole groom without getting off the table. Some, um, I've got one, he'll probably get off five or six times, but again, he just gets off, goes to the door, as a look, then comes back straight, and I didn't don't even have to call him back. Mm. And he's probably one of my most anxious dogs I groom. So he's learned now that when he just needs that moment, oh, he just gets off the table, goes and looks, see if his owners have come back, then come back on the table. So charging-wise, I charge um, for the appointment time. So it's, you know, if, if say, for example, if it's an hour, I'll charge £30. If I only do a half grooming in that hour, it's still £30. Because mm -hmm. what I tend to do, if uh, it's more with dogs that have only just started to come to me, if I get partway through the groom and they can't cope with him anymore, I'll give them 10, 15 minutes with licky mats, snuffle mats, and then I'll start to do, when I, as I notice their body, their body language softening and they're becoming more relaxed, I'll start doing a little bit of training with them as well. So that gives them a positive end to the groom as well. So, you know, a little bit more teaching getting on off the table. I might start to train a chin rest where they, they rest the hand, if they're muzzling my, my hand. Because uh, I don't hold things like the chin air either. I, I just can't do that. So I teach all my dogs that while the chin's in my hand, I'll trim the face. When they move it, I stop. And again, that gives them more freedom. So they, because they know they've got the choice, they tend to keep it in place a lot longer. Right, so I've got the dogs that do this big <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, I, I always pick on cockapoos. Is there a particular breed that you see you're working with a lot or? Cockapoos. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cockapoos uh, and spaniels, cock spaniels. 
This is highly strung. So I think there's a bit of a the link there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so I do pick on cockapoos quite a bit. And I think a lot of people see that in their salons and they see that they can be a real nightmare. And and some of them can be quite big as well. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've just took one on that's obviously crossed with a standard poodle rather than a miniature or a toy. He's a big lad. Yeah. And they uh, don't but want he's gone he from, he, he's one thing. He's one that came to me during uh, adolescence and he'd gone from being okay being groomed to biting the groomer. Mm. Um, I've had him, I've had him come to me about five times now and he's got some major triggers. It was, um, it was a rescue dog. He was put into kennels uh, about five months old because the, the previous owners couldn't cope with him. So he's been rehomed now and the lovely people have got him now. Uh, but towels, I can't use a towel near him. If I pick a towel up to go to dry him, that is a massive trigger for him. So it's things like that I've had to adapt for him. Um, I've got some of the, the rough and tumble dry mitts that pull on, you know, come up to about here on your hands and the mm. really thick toweling. He'll let me use those for so long, but even those, it's it's not too much. To make matters worse, he doesn't like the dryer. <laughs> so we're having <laughs> oh, to work with, yeah. We're having to work with desensitizing the dryer. Uh he doesn't like his legs being touched because he had a grass seed in his leg and he had to have surgery on that. So that's another trigger for him. So he's working out all his triggers and how I can make it easier for for them not to be such an issue for him. Mm. So and do you sometimes, if, we, if we don't, sorry, sorry. Uh, do you sometimes get dogs in that come with families, and you you get a bit concerned about like um, children being around, and they might bite the children and things like that? Um, I've, I've not had one in the grooming. I did do a behaviour visit about two and a half years ago, and that that was a, a staffy cross with a child, and I was actually quite concerned about that, so I did tell the, the guardian that I didn't think it was the right home. It's very difficult to tell somebody that the dog they love is not in the right home, but sometimes you have to do it from a professional point of view, it would have been unprofessional of me not to have said that. So uh, sometimes we have to put feelings aside and tell it how it is. Yeah. So all she yeah. actually did was just check went to a different behaviourist. <laughs> yes. We can we can educate people so much, can't we? Yeah. 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 So let's um, let's try and get some of these, some of these questions. So. Um, Tea touch sounds uh, interesting. How can we learn how to uh, how can we learn how to do tea touch? Okay, so I'm currently in the process of putting an online um, tutorial together for tea touch. Um, I've got my online monthly platform that you can subscribe to, and that already has tea touch on uh, included, including. Um, calming signals, trigger stacking, the autonomous nervous system, um, the free work I was talking about, handling. It's got loads of information. Each month I upload a little bit more. Um, but that's already got the T-touch element added into it. 
um, and that's £18 a month at the moment. But if you talk to me nicely, I might give you a discount code. Um, and if you think about it, if it's £18 a month, it's about, what is it, £200 a year. What, you know, what courses can you go on for £200 that's going to give you a year's of work years worth of videos and knowledge and probably make the difference between you getting bitten and not getting bitten so i you know if you look at it in terms of dogs what is it five grooms you know it's uh i've got quite that's a few it. members as well and the feedback's been really good so. that's good we'll put the um but i will be doing a bit just put the link in yeah yeah, we'll grab the links um, from you about that so, so people can look at that. And is it me? I've got to talk to you nicely for a discount code. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put a discount code in the in the uh, the chat. Excellent. That's what we like to hear. So uh, I've asked you that one. Um, I'm just going through the, through the questions. Uh, so someone said, um, if you've got an adolescent dog, is it a good idea to actually split the grooming sessions up, um, say into two sessions, so that um, they don't get too overwhelmed with the grooming? Anything you can do to stop them getting overwhelmed. So, for example, if you've noticed they're a bit wary of the clippers, scissor. You know, I've got quite a few dogs that can't tolerate the clippers so I scissor them I've got a few dogs that can't tolerate the clip the scissors I did a little shih tzu last night and he, he just freaks out to forget the scissors any near him but it'll let me clip all over but paying attention to the individual dog what they can cope with so what I've started to do now uh, with a few of my clients is the guardians bath them in the morning or the night before that negates the need to bath and dry them and then they can cope with the clipping off I mean, we couldn't do that during COVID, you know, the, before we knew that dogs can't actually transmit COVID on the coats. Um, but if you just talk to the guardians, good quality shampoo, ask them not to shampoo, not to take them out, obviously. But just, you know, they'll come in the afternoon, they'll bath the dog in the morning. By the time it comes to me, it's dry. And all I do is clip it off and make that easier for them. Um, but yeah, if you've got a, an adolescent dog that doesn't like um, pretty much all the groom, then one week do its face, another week do its torso, the week after do its legs, and just break it down just so that it's not getting too overwhelmed. And it doesn't mean, I mean, while I deal with, with dogs that are having free, more free, after having more frequently, I just book half an hour slot so that I can keep it... Um, cost-effective for the clients as well, because I'm not going to charge a full hour's fee for half an hour. And it is as much educating them at times as well, isn't it, as well as the dog? Definitely. I'm actually quite lucky, because the time most people, most guardians get to me now is they're desperate. They just need somebody to be able to work with their dog, to be able to groom their dog. So... It's rare I get um, most of my clients now are long-term clients. You know, they'll come and they'll stay with me. Um, it's not like they'll come for one or two and then never bother. I do get a few of those, but it's only probably I'll get one of those a year. 
So it's a really good way to build up your client base and keep those clients as well. So it makes good business sense because you don't want a different, you know, you don't want your books to be different dogs every six months. You want to have the same dogs to be able to work with, to build up a good relationship, to build up that trust, just to make your life easier. So it and it's the the guardian, definitely the owners that I've got, they're, they're so grateful all the time. And sometimes I don't get a perfect finish. Certainly wouldn't win per, pooch perfect. But the, the guardians are just so happy with what I've managed to achieve. You know, and I've got one that every time is little shit soon. And every time he comes out, oh, don't you look gorgeous? Is it? And she really puts it. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know what dog you're looking at. because It's not the one I'm looking at. So I think as groomers, we're, we're our biggest critics. We expect, each, you know, we want every dog to go out with not an air out of place. Uh, but more often than not, you know, the, the owners are just pleased for anything I can do for with a lot of dogs. And because well, a lot of guardians stay as well, because they, they, they see how I groom, how I, how, I, how I handle their dogs, so that they continue that work at home as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm doing something in, in the salon and then they're going home and doing something completely different. So that helps as well because keep, we're keeping it consistent between us both. Yeah, definitely. And um, so another question coming in. Um, if you've got dogs that aren't food orientated, I've never heard of them. Well, those in my house, the two Labradors and, <laughs> and the Dachshunds, all very <laughs> orientated. Um, but do you, do you use um, toys instead to, you know, you were talking about the positive rewards and stuff like that. Do you use toys instead? Definitely use what they like. Some dogs will eat food, but they actually like a ball better or like to play a little bit of tuggy. Um, I've got a Labrador that I'm having to desensitise the dryer. She doesn't want a dryer. And we just play it. We just have an awesome game of tuggy with her on the floor while the dryer's on. She's running underneath the dryer, completely oblivious to the dryer's on her. Um, I can use food for her because she's a Labrador, but I find she gets overexcited with the food and she's trying to get the, she mugs me for the food. So it's much, makes it much calmer for her to play with the ball rather than have lots of food. Um, there's several reasons why dogs don't appear to be food motivated, particularly when it's not your dog and it's in a strange environment. It could be that if it's a, a morning appointment, it's had a full breakfast and not hungry. It could be it doesn't like the treats you're using, or it could be that they're too overwhelmed, they're too stressed to be able to eat. So always ask those three questions, you know, if you've got a dog in early in the morning and you'd like to use food, just ask the guardian to cut the food portion, the breakfast down a little bit so they're still a little bit hungry when they come into the salon. I use, I'll only use natural treats. I don't use um things like pedigree chews or anything so lots of natural chews um fishy type treats anything that's really smelly because that will get the um the juices should we say um different types of treats as well some dogs last last night the little dog i had in last night i've got um crunch treats i've got two or three because i also got also about four or five different sorts of treats in my salon 
turned his nose to put for the fifth one, which was a venison stick cut up very finely. He absolutely adored that. So don't just stick to one sort of treat. Have lots of treats just in case it's that treat. You know, that might be the, the magic treat. And again, for some dogs, they like to lick instead. So um, things like primula cheese, uh, doggy peanut butter, as long as nobody's got allergies around it. I use fourth glade dog food quite a lot as well because that's uh, high quality, but it's something they can lick as well. Um, yeah. Often I find stress is usually the biggest issue around dogs not eat, being able to eat in the salon, no. But definitely yes. use whatever finds, the dog finds as a reward. Whether whether our Labrador eats or not is kind of like, do we take it to the vets or not for us? <laughs> so, <laughs> poor, what's the scale of poorliness for our Labrador? Does it is she eating? Yes, she's fine. She's fine. <laughs> she's fine. Yeah, Labradors will eat through anything. <laughs> <laughs> so um, a few comments coming in. So I can highly recommend uh, Educational Hub. There you go. Um, I have both your books. Sue, do you have a discount code? To bulk buy, you're um, you're taking the 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 public issue of taking the grower out of grooming, and I was thinking exactly the same yeah. um, about this because we've just introduced a puppy package, and I was thinking, you know what, giving a, a free copy of of your book to each puppy owner is probably a really good idea to go with our package, isn't it? Well, I am actually in the final stages of doing a dedicated puppy version for the Guardians, so it doesn't include all the the correction of, you know, because uh, my taking the girl out of grooming your dog has got a lot of things about ace free work, a lot of counter conditioning, trust based techniques, and I'm doing a reduced version of that for puppies. That because I've got a lot of. Uh, dog behaviourist friends, trainers that have just want something to put in the puppy packages, like you said. So that should be there. That should be ready about March time. But in the meantime, yes, if you want to bulk buy the books, they sell on Amazon at uh, 9.99. If you want five plus copies, I'll do them for £6.50 per copy. If you, again, I'll put a code on so I know that you they've picked them up so you can make three pound fifty on each one if you want to sell it or just up your price of your puppy packages a little bit more to, to cover the cost of them but you wouldn't believe I, I love giving the books out because i'll give you help more, more during the first session and then they'll come back the second and third session oh i was just brushing his paws yesterday and he licked his lips or he turned his head away and it's obvious that then they're starting to think about looking for those calming signals and thinking about how they can make life a little bit easier for the dogs so it's not only just in the grooming environment but generally in life that these calming signals and trigger stacking is really important yeah and i think a, a little top tip if you're going to supply the book with your puppy package but don't actually tell your customers that they get a book so it's a really nice um supply uh, surprise when they turn up with their puppy and at the end of their their first meet yeah. say it's been lovely to meet your pup and by the way here's a here's a gift on us um a book all about how to help your puppy with grooming so yeah and obviously if they're using the same techniques as you're using it's just going to make it the puppy it's so much easier when the guardians help you. It's 
you know it's <laughs> it's really difficult if the guardian doesn't buy into the way you groom and doesn't brush the dog hand on heart all the dogs that come to me are, it's rare they've got a mat because they've <laughs> read my book they know how to groom sorry even the, the cockapoos <laughs> even the cockapoos can come in fully groomed each Excellent. time I've got a a little Maltese that I groom and I've groomed her since a puppy and I put her into an Asian fusion now and to be able to do that you know it's it's not perfect Asian fusion but it's it's the owner absolutely loves it so uh, and she she never she's never got as much as a tiny mat you know she's not even got like a little snag so it just makes it easier as we all know, if you've got a dog with a, a, a freshly brushed coat that's not got any, it's so much easier to clip them. It's so much easier for the dog. You're not pulling on mats and having to get your 7F out every time. That's it. Exactly the same when I have my, <laughs> I get my hair cut. <laughs> um, so uh, another question to access your educational hub. Is that on like a, a portal website or... Um, YouTube, how do they get hold of Yeah, it's on, it's, uh, it's on, a, on, I use Thinkific, uh, mm -hmm. which is a an educational platform. So you'll just get a, um, you just get onto the internet, put the, the site in, it comes up, you put your password in and straight in. I am actually starting to put some of the information, create a Facebook group at the side a bit as well, put some of the information on that. So, that we can have more interactive group chats about it as well. And what's the what's the address to go and purchase the the course and access it? Uh, I'll have to put the link in because if I don't do it, don't give it your rights, you won't get onto it. So I'll put the link in the comments so that you can just go onto that. And I'll also put a discount code in for that and a discount code in for the book as well. Yeah, everyone's loving that idea of um, supplying books with their puppy. <laughs> So that's a good idea. Uh, they they can find the taking the girl out of grooming on Amazon by the sounds of it. Anyway, they can, but it's um, it, it's nine ninety nine on Amazon. If you buy buy direct from me for one between one and four copies, it's eight pounds sixty five. But if you buy five plus, I'll do it for six fifty for the next couple of months. Excellent. Um, another testimonial here for you. I found some of the conventional grooming methods difficult. Then I came across Sue's website. Her methods have really made a difference to both the dogs and I groom and my enjoyment of grooming, which is really important, isn't it? Aww. They're happier and calmer, That's which in turn makes my life uh, easier. I haven't finished yet. Um, so big shout out for Sue. I can highly <laughs> recommend her methods, uh, books, and educational hub. I have to scroll back through the comments to say to tell you who wrote that. So, yeah, yeah. So, what we'll do is, um, we'll come to an end because you know, we've taken up a lot of your time. So, but thank you for all your time. And well, I could uh, talk to you now, right? <laughs> well, are you gonna do an audiobook? Are you gonna turn the taking the girl of grooming into an audiobook? Uh, probably. I've got a friend that's interested in doing it for me, um, yeah. but she's. She's got some health issues, so it's she has to do a little bit when she's she's well enough to do it. So, uh, but yes, that's definitely on the cards to bring the audio book out as well. 
Excellent. Uh, I've just seen somebody. How much do you charge for the the um, the groomers version? Yeah. And that's uh, it's eighteen pound fifty on Amazon, and it's if you buy it direct from me, only in the UK. Uh, it's £17.65, but again, I might put a discount on this one as well if you buy it direct from me. Um, awesome. From, from your group. Um, so make sure um, but yeah. all, all these links are going to go into the into the chat here um, so that they can access the uh, websites and the uh, discount codes and everything, can't it? Yeah. Hey. Yeah, just loads and loads of things. Sorry. Yeah, I I must admit I do I do really enjoy seeing how other groomers change as well and how much they feel more confident about grooming dogs and a lot of it is communicating with the guardians as well than not to expect this perfect dog when it comes out that you're more interested in making sure the dog's calm and enjoying it so that in two or three grooms time you can go from having a, a an average trim to a really good trim because it's easier to groom a dog that's calm than it's one that's whirling dervish around the table. I've also uh, got a Facebook group as well, which is taking the girl out of grooming dogs. Again, I'll put the link in for that as well. And that's where you can say, I've got this devil of a dog in today. How can I help? <laughs> Definitely. And, you know, and I think just as important as well is the um, Joy saying that, you know, she, it makes grooming enjoyable for her as well, because there's a lot of groomers out there that um, struggle a bit with seeing all these dogs and, and they get a bit of compassion fatigue and hard work, isn't it, grooming? So. Yeah. And I must admit, I think because of the, the dogs I groom are on that really high end of the scale of anxiety. Um, that's why I don't do 20, 30 dogs a week because I'd be mentally exhausted. I don't get physically exhausted by battling a dog on the table, but when you see some of them and how stressed they are about grooming, I just want to cry with them. <laughs> so it does. it is a bit emotionally draining some days. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for um, joining us. The, everyone's loving it by looking at the comments. So um, we will be putting this out onto. Oh, no, thank you for having me along. Yeah, it's fine. And um, we'll be putting this out onto YouTube, and then um, it'll go out as a podcast. If you're watching this on replay, then just please put replay in the in the comments so we know you've seen it. And um, I'll nudge Sue to put all of her links into the comments after this chat. So thank you very much. You're Take welcome. care. I hope everybody's enjoyed it. Let's give them food for thought. Yeah, it looks like everyone's everyone's enjoying it by the looks of it. So great. Thank you. Excellent.